Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Whenever we look at history, we should be able to see the hidden history within history because the history of mankind is actually the history of God in his move to accomplish his eternal purpose. He created man for this purpose, and from that day unto the present day, God has moved in, through, and with man, first to redeem, and then to form his redeemed into his corporate counterpart, the church. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel describes this move as the move of a great wheel, turning upon the earth as God moves ever closer to his ultimate goal. Even as we read the history of his people Israel, we need to see this move. Bob Danker has joined us as we come again today, not just to the book of Ezekiel, but specifically to the book of Joshua, where we see his move about ready to take a major advance, don't we, Bob? Yes, Chris. This is a a marvelous portion in the book of Joshua concerning God's move on this earth to carry out his economy and how we, as God's people, can be one with him and coordinate with him to accomplish his eternal purpose. Well, we have this uh, metaphor, I guess we could say, a type or symbol of uh, God's move in his economy that we mentioned in the opening today from the book of Ezekiel, another Old Testament book. Uh, And here it's referred to, as I mentioned, the, the move of a great wheel. Let's look at a couple of these verses, I think, as a good backdrop for the program today. In chapter one of Ezekiel, as I watched the living creatures, I saw a wheel upon the earth beside the living creatures. And the four of them had one likeness, that is, their appearance and their workmanship were, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. And whenever the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And whenever the living creatures were lifted up above the earth, the wheels were lifted up also. Wherever the Spirit was to go, they went. Wherever the Spirit was to go. And the wheels were lifted up alongside them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Quite mysterious language. (laughs) But it does represent, uh, if we get into the whole prophecy there of Ezekiel, we really do see this is a clear reference to God's move on the earth, even Christ in his redemptive work, and then beyond to accomplish his ultimate purpose, which uh, is all wrapped up in concerning the church, isn't it? That's right, Chris. And in the Old Testament, the best type of the church, of course, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And that's what we'll see today as we get into this life study from Joshua. Why don't we join Witness Lee for the first portion? God's economy is made in concerning Christ first and concerning his counterpart second. And the counterpart is the church as his body. And the consummation will be firstly in the millennium, the new Jerusalem. 
So the new Jerusalem will be there in a thousand years. But after that, the new Jerusalem will come to its full consummation. The Bible, as God's divine revelation, presents to us a full picture from God's creation of the universe to the consummation of the New Jerusalem. The first two chapters of the Bible are on God's creation with man as the center. Then the last two chapters of the Bible, you have the new heaven and new earth. The old creation will be altogether renewed to be the new heaven and new earth with not just one person, but with a corporate entity. That is the corporate expression and manifestation of the triune God mingle with all his redeemed people for eternity. That is the New Jerusalem. This is the Bible. In between the two ends, from Genesis 3, even to Revelation 20, a lot of things happen. Tragedies, again and again. But, regardless how much is here, that is altogether linked with God's economy. Bob, this was a presentation really didn't have anything specifically to do with Joshua, but it's one of those very helpful, expanding views to see the Bible in this kind of way. You have these the first two chapters referred to in Genesis, the last two chapters uh, in Revelation as the bookends of the Bible, and of course those are both are all four significant chapters because they're the only ones in the Bible where God's enemy is not present. And you really see God in man and his creation and then the ultimate consummation, and uh, it gives quite a context to view the divine revelation, doesn't it? Oh, it gives us a, a tremendous overview, I would say, of the entire Bible. God is a God who has an eternal purpose, which he made in himself, in Christ, in eternity past. Before time began, God had a heart desire to produce a corporate counterpart to himself. Having such a heart desire, he made a plan to dispense himself into his chosen people, to mingle himself with their humanity, to make them in this age, the church, Mm. as the body of Christ, but ultimately to make them the new Jerusalem. This was in God's heart before time began. In Genesis 1, God began to move to accomplish what was in his heart and what he had planned. The first step he took is described to us in the first two chapters of Genesis. First, God created the heavens, the earth, so many living things. And finally, he created man in his image and with his likeness. And he commissioned this man to subdue the earth, to take over the earth for God and for God's dominion, God's kingdom. That was the beginning Mm. of God's move. Uh, What happened after God created man? We know a tragedy came in. Satan came to deceive this man. And man 
was captured by Satan, and Satan usurped man, and through man, Satan usurped or took control of the entire earth, Mm. which God planned to have for his kingdom. The earth with man created by God became the kingdom of Satan. This is a great tragedy, but this didn't stop God. That's right. God didn't abandon his purpose. He never gave up. He just kept moving. He kept moving. And so as you read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you see this move of God. Eventually, at the end of the Bible, what do we see? God obtains the desire of his heart. He obtains a corporate expression of himself, the very mingling of himself with all his chosen ones throughout the ages, beginning from Adam all the way through the New Testament age, God gains the new Jerusalem. So the entire Bible, as you pointed out in your introduction, is the history of God in his move to accomplish his eternal economy. And this history involves man very much. So in the beginning here, these first two chapters, we see man created as God had in his intention with his image to express him and with his dominion even. And then that purpose at the end of the Bible has been fully now manifested, the new Jerusalem being this uh, great corporate entity, God composed with his redeemed believers. And along the way, all of the history of Israel, all of the steps of Christ, all of the the acts of the apostles, it's all fit in uh, to this end, to this ultimate consummation that he has as an outcome. And so the Bible then becomes a book with great unity rather than a lot of isolated stories and biographies. Uh, but to see it in this light really changes our, not only our understanding, but I would say also very much our appreciation, doesn't it? Yes, Chris. The Bible becomes a whole book which portrays to us one thing, that is God's economy with God's move in man, with man, through man to carry out his economy. And in that move, we certainly cannot uh, neglect the children of Israel as something uh, that very much incorporated in God's move, both in the Old Testament in that dispensation, but also as a type uh, and a picture of even how he is moving today in the church. So I think, once again, we're painting a kind of a backdrop here, a background uh, to understand and really get into the book of Joshua. Why don't we go back to Witness Lee? God's economy in Ezekiel 1 is likened to a great whale with a hub at the center and with a rim at the circumference. The hub signifies Christ at the center of God's economy. And the rim signifies Christ's counterpart, the church consummating in the upcoming New Jerusalem. Then, how about the spokes? Well, Christ is every member of the new man. So, the hub is Christ, then believers, as members of the hub, they spread. And the spreading are the spokes. Through the spreading and the spokes, they reach 
at the rim. That is the consummated body of Christ as the new Jerusalem. This will is not just the economy of God, but also the moving of the economy of God. From Genesis chapter 1, this great will began to move. From that day, the move of this great will, the move of God's economy, has never stopped. Okay, now, in the book of Jesha, God's move has raised to a point. By that time, on this entire earth, every part is full of idols, full of demons. In a sense, to some extent, God has been chased away from this earth, which he created for himself. Look at that situation. Every inch of the earth has been possessed, occupied by the idol worshippers, by the people who are filled with demons. But there was a little circle, which is called God's elect Israel. Two millions, they were there, waiting to take the land, to possess the land. But the land was what? Was full of giants, idol worshippers, demon-possessed, all the Canaanites were this kind of persons. How to take the land? The land was fully occupied. Think about it. This was the situation. Well, Bob, by this point in the move of this great wheel of God's economy on the earth, uh, the move has come to the the very gate of the good land. The children of Israel, we've seen in, in many of our previous life studies, they've come through now the wilderness after so many years, 40 years, and uh, their experience before that in Egypt and the Passover, all to get us to this point. But this land they're about to occupy is full of these, well, all of these negative things that God pointed out. So the situation on the earth, on one hand, doesn't look very promising, does it? Oh, it certainly doesn't, Chris. Actually, at the time that Joshua had brought the people of Israel to the border of the good land, the situation on this earth was absolutely against God. Satan had usurped mankind through the fall. This is described very much uh, in the previous books, Mm -hmm. especially in Genesis. Uh, Eventually, man rebelled against God at Babel Mm -hmm. and was scattered over the whole earth and began to worship idols. Even Abraham, who was called by God to be the father of the nation of Israel, he also, with his family, was an idol worshiper at the time that he was called by God. So when God called Abraham, he took a great step to gain a new race of human beings who would then collaborate with him, be one with him for his move on the earth. And yet it took how many years before Abraham became that nation? And when that nation was finally created or produced, what happened to them? They became slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. So God still 
had nothing on this earth. He had a chosen people, but those people didn't have any place on the earth that was theirs, a land where they could live and they could be and establish the kingdom of God. So God brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness. He had already promised that he would give them a land, right? Right. He promised Abraham, and he promised all Abraham's descendants that he would bring them into a land. That land was not only for Israel to have a place to live and be a nation, but that land was a piece of earth that would become God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. God's possession. You see? So when the children of Israel arrived with Joshua at the gate of the good land, God didn't have one inch of territory on this earth that he could call his own. He was the God of heaven, but not the God of earth. But he had gained a people whom he had formed into an, you may say, an army, a coordinated unit Mm -hmm. to cooperate with him, to enter into this promised land and take possession of it for him, not only for them, but for him so that the wheel of his economy could move on, could advance. Bob, the story of Joshua, of course, is an inspiring one. I think we all remember back to uh, uh, how Joshua returned with Caleb, the only two of all of the spies that went in to scout out the land. And they, too, uniquely had the good report where the rest were giving the reports of the giants and how dangerous and difficult this would be, and they could never do it. But this is how the wheel of God's economy moves. It seems like God presents us with a situation where, for us, as mortals, impossible. And that must be how the children of Israel felt here. Uh, this is an impossible situation. But this wheel implies the whole principle of incarnation, as I think we'll see throughout this life study of Joshua. That is God working in, with, through man to accomplish his desire. And that's really uh, what we're about to see, aren't we, as the children of Israel prepare to enter in. That's right. It is quite a marvelous picture here. God has a people on the earth to be one with him so that he can move Mm. to carry out his eternal plan. Let's go back to Witness Lee. One day God came to call Joshua and to tell Joshua to take the lead that he and the children of Israel all should take the land and possess it. Well, if they would only look at themselves, uh uh-huh, we, look, all the women, all the children, all the old ones, all the weak ones, how could we take the land occupied by the giants? Is there any possibility? Yes, there was. The possibility was the unique God. But for him to move, he needs a people to cooperate with him. My elect, my Israel, you have to know, you don't need to do anything. You just cooperate with me. I'm motivating the will to run. You just be one with me. You go, you get it, you possess. I will slaughter all the idol worshipers through you. I will slaughter them, but you have to go. Without you, I will not do anything. Actually, without you, 
I could not do anything. This is the principle of incarnation. God wanted to save us, but he needs man to be one with him. Then Joshua took the word and charged the children of Israel to take action, to perform God's commission. This is Joshua chapter 1. From Genesis 3, in every generation, in every age, this great wheel has been moving, moving, sometimes quite slow, through to such a extent we could not be patient. Sometimes it is really fast, fast to such an extent we cannot follow. This wheel is moving. Bob, it seems like such an impossible paradox here. On the one hand, we can't do anything to overcome these obstacles, but on the other hand, God won't do anything if we don't cooperate. How do we put this puzzle together? Well, this picture here shows us, Chris, that God can do everything, but he does not want to do it by himself. He likes to do it with his counterpart, with man, in man, through man. He wants and needs a group of human beings who are one with him, who will move with him, who will go according to his commission and his command. And yet, they don't trust in themselves. They don't trust in what they can do in their own strength. They always are one with him. They're always looking to him, trusting in him, realizing that he is the one who can do and will do everything to carry out his economy. This is a tremendous picture. Uh, It seems God is all-powerful. He can do anything, yet he doesn't like to do anything without man. This is the principle of incarnation, and this is God's principle in the accomplishing of his economy. It certainly is a point worth underscoring here as we conclude the second program in Joshua. We're not at all saying that God cannot. Of course, he is all-powerful. As you just said, he could do everything. But according to the revelation of Scripture, he has chosen to limit himself, in a sense. He certainly limited himself to Christ. Uh, He limits himself to the church in how he carries out his move on the earth. Unbelievably uh, different view and an uplifted view of uh, just how God and man together have to cooperate in order to accomplish his eternal goal, his eternal objective. That's right, Chris. And of course, God's move today has come down to us. And what does this say to us? This says to us that we need to be the people today who coordinate with God, who are one with God, who are not on this earth for our own interests. Hmm. You see, at that point, the children of Israel were absolutely for God's interests. They were moving with him and for him. Today, we should be the same. Amen. We need to be this kind of people. Thank you, Bob. Always good to have you here, and we'll have, uh, Lord willing, several opportunities in this live study of uh, Joshua that's before us, so come again very soon. Oh, I look forward to that very much. If you're a listener who stays with us fairly regularly and has in the past received these uh, printed life study volumes that are the full message that give you the opportunity to study along, you'll want to get this one for Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. It's just a one volume uh, with all three books in it. 
uh, maybe get it early on in this life study so you have it with you. You can be reading along and uh, really be prepared day by day to get into these messages in, uh, on your own. And if you'd like to find out about how to get this uh, one volume uh, covering these three books, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 or drop us an email to radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.